The subject of today's episode is one of the most brutal dictators in modern history. Ruling over Uganda for eight years, this man not only took the newly independent country by force, but expelled many of those that kept the whole place running. Eliminating the courts, destroying the economy, and killing thousands at will, all while enriching himself and his closest supporters. And those that opposed him could be dismembered, fed to crocodiles, or even have their frozen heads used as table centerpieces at parties. Going by such names, most he gave himself, like the Lion of Africa, the Last King of Scotland, the Machete, Black Hitler, and his favorite, His Excellency President for Life Field Marshal Al-Hajid Dr. Idi Amin Dada, VC, DSO, MC, CBE, Lord of all the beasts and the earth, fishes of the sea, and the conqueror of the British Empire in Africa in general, and Uganda in particular. But the most fitting nickname is probably the Butcher of Uganda. Today we cover Idi Amin. I'm Kevin Young. And I'm the leader of the People's Democratic Republic of Daniel. (laughs) And this is torture. I always said that's what I call a country. The People's Democratic the People's Democratic Republic of Dan. (laughs) He's uh, this guy, this guy is uh fucking Something else. <laughs> Those names um, are brilliant. Yeah. Oh my god. It's like getting the worst list of Xbox username handles, you know, like you know when you do the auto generator thing on them? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like yeah, like like fucking spicy gasoline and things like that. Like, you know, it's just yeah. Uh-huh. Let's see. Uh my ex well, uh, the ones Microsoft gave us were uh Peppy Cracker and Runic Bat. Runic Bat's not bad, but Peppy Cracker, I don't know, that's the verge of racism. <laughs> that's just ridiculous. It, it's a, uh, I, I, I've had my one since day one, and it was a spelling error on my part from a nickname that I was given by an old friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, which uh, I will not be giving out just about yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you won't be able to find it, you know, find us on there we haven't been on there for fucking forever we're not even on xbox live or anything like that but yeah i thought that was weird they wouldn't let us pick our own names it picked it for us yeah fine whatever i don't give a shit uh so first off thanks to everyone who went and checked out the merch store and the patreon that means the world to us um but we have quite the story to go here uh so let's get into it real quick do you have a dan you ever heard of uh well, how much do you know about the history of Uganda? Nothing really. I'm pretty <laughs> sure there's stuff that I I would know, but kind of one of those things, you know, when you don't realize, you know. Yeah. 
forget me, you know, I'm pretty sure if I looked some stuff, I'd be like, oh yeah, that happened in Uganda, okay. Yeah, it's one of those stories where, uh, you know, after World War II, all the European nations kind of decided to give up um, control of a lot of these pretty much put together countries in Africa and uh, like the second Uganda and other countries in Africa, but the second Uganda became an independent nation, uh, people started fighting over who was going to rule it with an iron fist. It's like, I want to be dictator. No, I want to be dictator. (laughs) I mean, I'd be like that easily. Um, So we got a lot of that to cover and and it's going to get a little gruesome at one point. Uh, not rape of Nanking gruesome quite, but it's going to get. You know. So, Idi Amin Dada Omwe, Omee, sorry, O-U-M-E-E. There's a lot of these types of names. I'm going to try and get through them the best I can. Mm-hmm. I looked up the pronunciation for all of them. I think I got most of them good, but there's still some of them that are a little like too many vowels at once. Um, anyway, Idi anyway. Amin Dada Omi was born May 7th, 1928, around 4 a.m. Maybe. No one fucking knows. He never told anybody his biography, and he never authorized anyone to write it. So no one really knows what his actual birthday is. Plus, he was a habitual liar, and he changed the year depending on who he talked to and what he needed. Uh, He went as early as 1923 and as late as 1928. So... Who the fuck knows? Most people put it somewhere. Most people put it somewhere like 1925. There is a biographer that claims the May 7th, 1928 date is correct, that Edie told him or he learned about it from one of his many children. But I, I, I have a hard time taking his word for it. Most people say 1925, so we'll just go sometime in 1925 or whatever. Okay. Now, what we do know for sure though, is that he was born in the capital city of Kampala. Or not. Again, the guy's fucking lying. <laughs> he lies about that stupid shit all the time. Uh, he told people he was born in the capital city, or uh, people assume he was born there because for him being born, uh, you know, a small village was beneath him or his stature. Uh, but being born in the capital city somehow put him in a better class of people out. He's actually from Des Moines, Iowa. This guy... Something stupid. <laughs> yeah, this guy's too Fruit Loops short of a bowl. All right, <laughs> most people uh, believe his par- uh based on his parents and on his upbringing, that he was probably born in Koboko, a town in the northern region of Uganda. Um, but either either way, he was born in Uganda at some point between 1923 <laughs> and 1928. If that helps you any, we know this guy existed. <laughs> At some point, <laughs> at some point, he, he was born. He was born. Oh, we know. Um, In some part of a gigantic nation, of a gigantic yeah, continent. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he was either born at this part of it or this part of it sometime in the 1900s. I don't know. Oh. So, oh. That's that mystery solved. Okay, he was the second born but first son to his mother, Asa Aiti of the Luke. Lugbara tribe and Father Andreas Nabari, a member of the Kakwa tribe. Now, both tribes falling under the umbrella of Nubian 
and that's how Edie will see himself and where he will direct his loyalty through his life. His parents split up shortly after the birth of his young, uh, younger brother when Edie was very young. Uh, Andreas uh, pretty much just abandoning them, leaving Asa to raise the three of them on her own. Um, now, apparently there was a rumor that Andreas wasn't Edie's real father, and it led to the divorce and the rejection of Edie by his father for the next 30 years. Now, obviously, after Edie becomes you know, big and famous and everything, uh, Andreas wants to get back into his life, be like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, you're my son, yeah, but for like the next 30 years, he wants nothing to do with them. Edie's siblings would die not long after Andreas moved, and I honestly couldn't find a reason. I looked around, nothing told me like how they died. They just died. So This guy is like, everything seems so far to be like as elusive as Oh, Master Yoda, almost. Like, it's like, did he actually have a father? Did this guy even <laughs> exist? Did his siblings exist? He just he just came like, down in a UFO and uh, popped up out of nowhere. I don't know. <laughs> and all of a sudden, his, his siblings are dead. It's like the beginning of a bad horror movie. <laughs> but the two, Edie and his mother, uh, ended up living with relatives living with her relatives near Simoto. Simuto. S-E-M-U-T-O. Simuto. Uh, where he reared goats for a couple of years. Then, when he was probably around 10 or 12, possibly, he moved to the home of Sheikh Ahmed Hussein, where he learned to recite the Quran. Or 25, depending on what year he was born. <laughs> Uh, he could have been a full-grown adult by now. Who? I don't know. It wasn't goats, it was cows or giraffes <laughs> or humans. So a couple years later, he went to Bombo to live with an uncle and tried to get into primary school. But Nubians weren't allowed. Obviously angry. Uh, about this, he uh, he joined in on the Nubian riots against discrimination in the 1940s his first dalliance with fighting for a cause, and possibly his first thoughts of, no one will help me, I have to help myself. Now, about a year later, he was able to join the Garaya Islamic School at Bombo, and again, excelled at reciting the Quran. However, he left after only a few years, and only got a fourth grade English language education. And that's all the education he's ever going to get. That's it. Fourth grade education. Better education than I have, or better grasp English language (laughs) than I I have. So he would work odd jobs after that. Uh, He was a hat and coat attendant at the Imperial Hotel when a British Army officer was impressed by his mannerisms and his size. Edie was a large individual, about 6'4", 270 when he was fully grown. Um, they recruited him into the British Army in Uganda. Now, you might be wondering, why would a British soldier recruit a Ugandan into the Army? Well, like I said before, pretty much all of Africa was colonized and owned by one European country or another. Britain, France, Germany, Belgium, Spain, Portugal, Italy. Pretty much owned all of Africa after 1900. Yeah, Holland, yeah. most of the South. Yeah, so Uganda, yeah. Uganda fell under... British rule. Now, there's a long 
uh, history lesson that I could get into here about how, about uh, how and why the European nations took control of most of Africa and why uh, Asians, specifically Indians, made up a large portion of the population of Uganda and why Uganda doesn't even make sense as a country because of all the different ethnic and religious groups that live in the area didn't exactly mesh and how it could have been mapped out better to encompass like-minded groups of people. And I'm sure everyone listens to the scream and going, no, not another fucking history lesson. So I won't, but I could, I could. So we're going to. Here we go, kids. Got the fair seatbelts. Not another fucking history lesson. That's this the torture the podcast. But yeah. So Edie served at the Maga Maga barracks in Jinja. Some of the words that I have to say for this uh, episode are going to sound like I'm making them up to sound as African as possible. I swear I'm not. <laughs> Some of them sound like you're covering something to do with Japan at times. That's <laughs> funny. I was sitting there, he's like, Surrogato or something. I was like, that sounds like Japan. It's like Kiss on My Ass Street, whatever it's called. That was <laughs> so Edie served at the Maga Maga Barracks in Jinja uh, in the laundry <laughs> and as a cook while he trained around 1947. While there, he showed his proclivity for athletics. He was an impressive swimmer, rugby player, and boxer. He would even go on to win the Uganda Light Heavyweight Boxing Championship in 1951 and would hold it for nine straight years. That's when he was recruited by the Jinja Ninjas. <laughs> the Jinja Ninjas? Yeah. Sorry, H-I. Yeah. Uh, he would also play for the Nile RFC rugby team in the 50s as well. Uh, he told some that he was selected as a replacement by the East Africa Rugby Union team for their 1955 tour match against the British Lions. This was, of course, a lie. But after training and cooking, he was then transferred to Kenya for his real military service. Now, this is when he joined the KAR, or the British King's African Rifles. According to him at this time, he served in the Burma campaign of World War II. This was, of course, a lie. The Burma <laughs> campaign ended in 1945. He wasn't even in active duty yet. So <laughs> you see the, the pattern. That has been growing with this man for a while. Oh, that's brilliant. Is, was he not like the quarterback also for like the Green Bay Packers at some stage or yeah, so some I shit? He won yeah. the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, yeah. he won the very first yeah. Super Bowl ever. Yeah, he uh, got bronze, gold, and silver in one single Olympic event at one stage because. Yeah, sure. he just he just stood in the one podium and they gave him all three yeah. and you know played. Uh, I think they played Pink Floyd. Instead of the Uganda um, uh, national anthem, because he said, "Well, I wrote this song, so play yeah, this." Back, one. Yeah, yeah, that was that was all back in the nineteen forties as well, though, wasn't yeah, it? That's like right. Before yeah. Pink yeah. Floyd, even yeah, before Pink Floyd, yeah, before the yeah, you know, yeah before he they predicted Pink Floyd. <laughs> God, seems like such a hero. I wish I was around uh, to witness all this. Nineteen forty nine, uh, his units his unit heads to northern Kenya to fight Somali rebels. Um, a few years later, he was sent to fight the Kenyan Land and Freedom Army, a.k.a. the Mau Mau Rebels. Now, through his impressive showing in these battles and negotiations, Edie was promoted to corporal. He quickly began to garner reputation as a ruthless soldier and steadily rose through the military ranks. By the end of 1953, he would be known as Sergeant Amin. 
1959, he became Effendi Class 2, which is the equivalent uh, to a warrant officer, which is the highest rank possible for a black African in the British Army at that time. A couple years later, he became a lieutenant, the highest rank of any African in the military. He was also, during this time, set to have further training in Scotland. Uh, Amin would absolutely fall in love with the country, even after his relationship with the white imperials turned sour. He will love it forever, and at one point, even have real aspirations in becoming the king. That's where that nickname came from earlier. The king of confused. Scotland. There's a movie. <laughs> I'm sure I mean, when we get to the pop culture part of it, uh, you know, you bring it up. But... Um, so just the real short Cliff Notes versions. Later on, after he's control of Uganda and he's, you know, his his relationship with Britain has soured significantly. Uh, there's some paratroopers in Scotland that are freedom fighting, trying to win their independence from the English. Uh, they call him up because they heard how much he loves Scotland. And they're like, hey, you know, what can you do? Can you help us? Uh, you know, give us some inspiration. Tell us what you did. Really, they were hoping for weapons and soldiers to come over there. They were hoping that um, he would send fighters. They were hoping that he would send weapons. And all he really told them was, you know, I stand with you. Good luck. I hope you do it. And whenever you win, let me know and I'll be your king. And of course, <laughs> of course, it never happened. But he told everybody he was the last king of Scotland, or he told everybody he was the uncrowned king of Scotland. Um, yeah, oh, talk about having aspirations. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but he had. I mean, it it, it could have happened, I suppose. Mm, after that, that that desperate maybe. Never know. You never know. So now it was about this time that Amin and his brigade was sent to the border of Uganda and Kenya to look at the uptick in cattle raiding. It's here where we see first see Amin's true brutality and a hint of what's to come for his eventual rule of Uganda. Amin and his troops went to the area and absolutely massacred these people, civilians. It's not like they went there and just took on soldiers. They they massacred just regular people living in a town. Of course they did. So when the British authorities in Nairobi exhumed the bodies, they found people had been beaten, tortured, beheaded, and even buried alive. Taking some notes from the Japanese, you see, that's what he's doing. I mean, it, it, it's not too long after that. Yeah, it's pretty messed up though. Like, you know, when you think about like, like, yeah. why? Like, what's the point? Like, I don't, I don't understand how. Like, some people I, I think it, I think it was one of those things where it's like, who is stealing the cattle? Who's, who's, you know, doing with what with the cattle? Oh, we don't know. Oh, they know something. Just start killing people until we find out. And yeah. uh, there's no saying if they actually found out who was doing the the cattle raiding or not. But a lot of people died because of it. Um, but you might think to yourself, well. This will stop his rise in the ranks. He'll be court-martialed and shamed for what he did. Of course, if you know anything about this show, you would understand that that's just not how it works. Uh, <laughs> under normal circumstances, you would be correct to think that. Uh, normally, yes, uh, uh, a soldier in charge of a brigade that goes and commits, commits these atrocities would be court-martialed, even thrown in jail. Um, they promoted him again. Well... 
You're to not, leader of the world. <laughs> you're, you're not too far off. Uh, at the same time that this was going on, Uganda was on the verge of gaining its independence from Britain. And the colonial governor, Sir Frederick Crawford, extremely English name, uh, didn't want a scandal emerging around only one of two native Ugandan colonial officers. So he and the new prime minister, Milton Nabote, decided to stamp down the story of a men's atrocities to save face. So there's no real punishment or reprimand for what he did. They're just kind of like, shouldn't have done that. But if you're going to do it, you did it at the perfect time. Uh, nobody say anything to anybody, and let's just move on. He got off scot-free. Lucky boy. Scot-free. Lucky, lucky boy. Yeah. Then a bote and a men would come to form a sort of relationship over this time. Uh, a bote saw a men as an ally. He promoted him even further in his regime. So, yes, you're right. Uh, he does take quite a bit of control. That's so ridiculous. I even think about it. That's it. I'm going to go out now to start slaughtering people. Might be mm-hmm. voted in as president. You never know. <laughs> I'll wait for next next elect election here, and uh, be like, "Why? What form do you stand upon? Bodies of my enemies and public, the general Joe public." Well, Somebody if I don't need a pint to... of milk from a shop, I'll take out the whole town. <laughs> well, if, if if I don't need to say it. There's not another election. <laughs> the stuff that Fair happens, enough. the stuff, the stuff that's going to happen, the people in Uganda. I see where no this say. is going. <laughs> they have no say in it. Whatever happens is what happens. They're just stuck with it. So at this time, while Uganda was getting its independence, things were still a little volatile. See, Uganda was a made-up country, uh, put together by the English. So they just kind of drew the lines where they wanted to draw the lines. And, okay, this is what we own. It encompassed several different tribes, ethnic groups, and religions. And many of these groups saw independence differently from one another. Some people wanted a centralized government. Some people wanted um, more of a spread out, like, uh, we'll govern ourselves. Everybody kind of wants something different. Yeah. And Abote, and the, the new prime minister of Uganda, saw this and decided to suspend the Constitution and extend his power into what could only be called a dictatorship. <laughs> he pulled an Emperor Palpatine on it. Yeah, pretty much. He's like, oh, none of you guys are getting along. Tell you what, fuck it. Um, this Constitution they worked so hard on uh, putting out there so we could all live peacefully, gonna throw that in the trash. Yeah, and I'm just gonna do everything myself. <laughs> it just seems in there. <laughs> <laughs> But here's the thing. There was actually already a president of Uganda at the time. Abote was prime minister, but Mutisa II, king of Buganda, was technically the president. So. Not anymore, motherfucker. Yeah, this is all going to get kind of messy later. For now... Abote would run the country, and Amin would be sort of a right-hand man. Now, Amin would, by 1970, be the commander of all Ugandan armed forces under Abote. Um, This meteoric rise to power was almost 100% due to his complicity and participation 
in a gold and ivory smuggling ring that he and Abote were enriching themselves and their accomplices in the Congo. It's always about. <laughs> say, this everything so far sounds like, like almost like every. I don't want to say like espionage or Tom Clancy's type bad yeah. guy or James Bond bad guy all rolled into one right now. Like you know, it's yeah. Just, yeah, they're just yeah. You're reading up a synopsis of the bad guy. He's like, oh, well, he controlled power during uh, uh, upheaval right after the country became independent. And then he started making money off of smuggling gold and ivory. What's next? He has the nuclear codes and he wants $1 billion. <laughs> yeah. He has sharks with freaking laser beams on their head. That's what he gets next. <laughs> That would be absolutely brilliant. Oh, see here in Wikipedia, own sharks with laser beams. There you go. Score. Check. (laughs) So the Ugandan parliament, uh, they found out about this um, smuggling ring. And they charged a men with misappropriating $350,000 worth of gold and ivory from gorillas in the Congo he was supposed to supply with arms. Um it's kind of a back and forth that Uganda will have with the 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 Congo, the Democratic Republic of Congo, which was, I believe, Zaire at the time, and uh, Tanzania, which is to the south. Um, they all they they, they kind of it, it it's not a friendly relationship they all have with one another. That um, sounds lovely. <laughs> yeah, but once once they decided to charge him in. He had troops arrest, arrest the ministers in Parliament who raised the issue, and then Abote appointed himself as president. So I'm not just prime minister now. I'm not just a dictator. I am the president now, uh, even though there is already still a president. <laughs> yeah, <that's> just, <laughs> you imagine him doing it standing next to him. <laughs> he's just like, hey, what are you going to do? Huh? What are you going to do? <laughs> But what he does is a couple months later, Abote sends tanks to attack the palace of Mutsai Mutsai II. Uh, The king fled the country, leaving Abote in charge of the government and Amid in charge of the military. So that's pretty much it. King's like, fuck this. I'm out. Um, King ends up dying while he's uh, gone. Didn't say if it had anything to do with the... uh, the tanks, but he does end up dying while he's gone. Um, King fled the country. Bote's in charge. Amin has the military. But countries like this, really the person who's in charge is the person who controls the military. So the person who controls the person who controls the military, you know something something eventually is going to happen. Because the the military... Yeah. As old as time itself. As old as time. Yeah. The English. Uh, the English. <laughs> the English, you got to get her to blame. Chad knows it was an English soldier that brought him on board. Yet again. It's always the fucking British. It's always the fucking British. You hear that British. smudge? It was the English. <laughs> so the military isn't where Amin wanted to stop. He wanted it all. So for the next few years, Amin would recruit and fill the military with those from the Kekwa and Nubi areas of northern Uganda bordering the Sudan, his own ethnic people and fellow Muslims. By filling the military with soldiers from this area, Amin was consolidating his control of the army in advance 
of a possible seizure of power. On top of this, Amin was trying to get support for his eventual coup from Britain and Israel, which he did in spirit. He's like, hey, I'm going to going to try and take over the country. And they're like, you do you, bud. We're all for you. But we're not, <laughs> we're not sending you any troops. Uh, we're not sending you any weapons. So if you I'm do just, it, great. I'm just waiting for the moment now where the cast from the Fast and the Furious show up you know, and free Uganda with the power of family and fast cars and, and spurious and gear changes. Yeah. <laughs> a Mustang flying through a skyscraper. <laughs> we saved Uganda. It's just Fortis, Forrest Whitaker playing uh, a man just like, no! <laughs> Family. Family. <sighs> so Abote got hints of what was coming and decided to put a stop to it. In 1970, Abote removed a man from commander of the military and appointed himself to the role. Then he planned on getting a man arrested with charges of financial misconduct. But he dragged his feet. Now, Min had learned what Abote wanted to do and decided it was time to move. So on January 25th, 1971, Abote was at a meeting of the Commonwealth Nations in Singapore. Amin struck, launching a military coup on the capital city, securing the capital and the major communication outlets. Before Abote even knew what was happening, Amin had announced to the country that he was now in power. And honestly, the people were relieved. Abote was seen as corrupt and over the past few years had, became, had become more ruthless himself. He had a secret police that would go around the country and take out people who um, stood against him or they would investigate people for things that they didn't really need to be investigated for. Um, he was doing he was doing just as shady shit as Amin was. He just wasn't as complicit or didn't give the order to kill near as many people as what uh, Amin will. It's a yeah. lot. By I was the say, way, you know you're into some shady stuff when you have to have a secret police. Yes, Getting them all. as soon as you, yeah, as soon as you get something like that, it's like <laughs> cross that line now. Yeah. Now, Amin was seen as almost a savior from their overlord at the time. He told everyone that he only planned on holding control of the country for a few weeks or months as the government got squared away. Then they would have elections. <clears throat> yeah, he declared himself the new president just a week later, and he will hold power for the next eight years. So, no, no elections. No, you're just kind of stuck with what you get. I don't know. Tell you. Imagine if y'all had Trump for, what, three times longer than he was there for? Yeah, we had him for four. Four, sorry, um, twice then, sorry, yeah. I yeah. three for some reason. I don't know. It just seemed to... And a lot of people feel like he kind of took that. He wasn't elected then. And he kind of took it and anyway by force, but... It wasn't a force thing. It's because the electoral college. The electoral, like yeah, the, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it, such it's a how. ridiculous system. Yeah, it's stupid. So who uh, received the most amount of votes? Oh, this sort of person. No, let's not let them in. No. I mean, that's what, who who got the most votes? Hillary. Who, yeah. who won? 
Trump. It, it's, it's a ridiculous way that we do it. I understand why they set it up like that in the fucking 1700s, um, but it doesn't make sense now. So, but Like many things that were set up hundreds of years ago that don't make sense now yeah. that we will not get into right it's, now. It's almost like things should change as yeah. things change. <laughs> but, you know. Quote of the week. So what took over Uganda was nothing more than a military dictatorship. The court, the courts were almost done away with and replaced by military tribunals. Amen's supporters in the military were all giving high-ranking offices in the military or were appointed to a range of senior political offices and civil jurisdictions. Absolutely none of these people had any experience or knowledge or or right being in the new positions that they had. Let's it, it, it again, like Trump being president. It's no purpose in having that job because you don't know what the fuck you're doing. But you know, you supported me, so I'm gonna make you yo know, chief justice or fucking whatever, even though, you know, a year ago you were picking up cow turds out in the fucking field. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just pretty much what it is. <laughs> Uh, he then began to purge the military and the civilian populations of those that might hinder hinder his rule. Well, Thousands, yes, yeah, the well, obvious that, as you do, yeah. as you do. That's obviously what you do. I took control, and now uh, you just get rid of everybody else. Thousands were removed from their posts in the military and replaced with those that would be loyal. And when I say removed, I mean should know I don't mean that they were just sent home with Show a pension. The yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were permanently removed. Uh, quick bullet to the head. From life. However, yeah, it is told about 32 of these troops, and I would imagine it was probably a lot more, um, but about 32 of these troops were placed in a small prison cell together and then blown up with dynamite. That's an interesting way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> one way to do it dear lord it's like yeah it's like they're just um just trying to come up with different ways to get rid of them it's like well look we shot 400 of them it's getting kind of boring now let's come up with a new way uh what do you think uh we strapped a few of them with c4 uh shot a couple of them with rpgs you know we got a big box sitting over there we're doing nothing with some private some private standing over the corner i got this stick of dynamite (laughs) yeah Oh, what do you want to do with it? I don't know. Put them in prison cell. In all, about two-thirds of the military would be purged in his first year. So, if that gives you any indication of... Two-thirds. Two-thirds of the military. So, hold on a second now. So, he managed to seize control via a military coup. Yeah, he had only a, using one third of the military or so thereabouts because obviously two using thirds a lot were less than he used a lot less than one third because he was he controlled the military. So when he took over, um, the capital, oh, yeah. yeah, it wasn't the they everybody was kind of everybody's like, all right, we see what's going on. They a lot of them thought that he was going to actually uh, push a bote out and then do what was right for the people and have elections or make it to where they weren't under the thumb of a vicious, you know, of a ruthless dictator. And ah. then he ended up not doing that. Bet you they felt pretty goddamn I, stupid. Yeah. So when he would kill a group of troops, uh, he just moved new people in that were loyal to him into their positions. 
So as two-thirds of the military was killed off, they were quickly filled back in with people he knew would be loyal to him. But that was just the military. As far as the civilians, around 20,000 Ugandans uh, fled into Tanzania, just to the south, where Abote was also seeking asylum. Now, they tried to invade Uganda with around 1,500 guerrilla fighters to take an airport. Then, so, here, so the plan is 1,500 guerrilla troops sneak into Uganda, into an air, to, uh, their airport. Mm-hmm. They take the airport, and then right. they move straight to the capital, right. take the capital, put Abote back in control. Everything's fine. However, Amin was privy to the plan and stopped them before they could even take over the airport. He held it them up at customs. The, That's what it was. Yeah, it, 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 it was very quick. They Passport, came in. Please. Yeah, Amin was there waiting, killed hundreds of these guerrilla fighters, and, uh, I don't know, probably pr- imprisoned and tortured the rest of them. So, it's just... yeah, what do you do? Still, many of Ugandans loved that he had taken over. Yeah, he was this larger-of-life presence very charismatic what you see in in dictators and in uh cult leaders yeah they're charismatic they they trick you into loving them before they you know make you wish you had never seen them before oh speaking of cult leaders real quick we were um i can't remember where the hell we were driving now myself my wife were driving somewhere and we passed by pretty sure it was on the way home from her father's this weekend and uh, we saw in a town there was um, an entire gigantic church for lease. I'm seriously, really? I'm seriously concerned to start my own religion. <laughs> Going in there, hey, how much do you want for Good. rent? Church, the only we can start a movement. Only dance. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <Start> <laughs> the only dance. Yeah, you buy it, you turn it into a strip club. Oh yeah, yeah, that'd be pretty cool actually. I love to yeah. see that when somebody buys a church and turns it into a bar or a strip club or, it, or, or something. Well, yeah, well, there's a there's one in Dublin called the Church. It was an old church that's turned into a it's a it's a bar and a restaurant. It's actually really yeah. nice. It's a really nice bar. But, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. churches are nice in general, so I mean, I would imagine they would probably make great for music. Yeah. Great acoustics. I've always wanted to have a converted church as a house, but yeah, I just thought it'd be kind of funny though, could start up my own little religion and. You know, just create my own hymns. People just singing my name in weird ways. So it just sounds like, oh, you know. People people pull out the hymn book and it's filled with Bush songs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Glycerine. <laughs> so uh, a man would waste no opportunity to shake hands, pose for pictures, and dance the traditional dances with the commoners. His informal personality made it seem like he really cared about the country. Even Amin's multiple marriages helped. His spouses were of various Ugandan ethnic groups. Uh, in addition to his six wives, it's alleged that he had a minimum of 30 mistresses around the country. But the biggest boost to his popularity came when he allowed King Mutesa's body to return to Uganda for burial in his homeland. He abolished Abote's secret police and granted amnesty to political prisoners. All of this very graciously. Uh, look at me. Look at how uh, wonderful I am. I don't hold a grudge for anything. That shit's going to go down the tubes real quick. But, you know, you got to get it started somewhere. So usually with these types of coups, whenever you see uh, the military take over a country, 
most of the world looks at it and goes, shit, this might not be good. Most of the world saw this as a blessing. England and Israel both backed the coup, seeing Amin as easier to deal with than a bote, um, because that's how he put it off. He, he comes off as very easy to talk to, very uh, one of the people, and that's how they get you. If you if there's yeah. a world leader who's very easy to talk to, very one with the people, very charismatic, you're probably going to get fucked. Don't trust that guy. That's just the way it is. Don't trust him. Uh, Amin uh, presented himself um, as a unifier amongst the varying religions and ethnic groups in the country. He even met with the Prime Minister of Britain, Edward Heath, and had lunch at the palace. And he, of course, took this opportunity to return to Scotland to see his second favorite country. Honestly, possibly his first favorite country. I imagine if he actually would have got the King of Scotland job, he would have left Uganda in a New York minute, gotten up there and he, he, he names a bunch of his kids. He gives them Scottish uh, first names. Um, he oh, really? has, yeah, he, he has one specific portion of the military in Uganda. Their uniform is a kilt. I mean, he just, he fucking loves, he loves Scotland. Here's I don't know my, what it is. I mean, Scotland's child, beautiful. I, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's a national dish now yeah. in Uganda. He re-records the entire Ugandan um, national anthem using only bagpipes. Yeah, you know, that'd be <laughs> yeah, goddamn like hilarious. That. I don't, I, I don't know what it is about Scotland that he loves so much, but I've never been to Scotland. I've seen pictures. It looks like an absolutely beautiful country. I'm sure the people are are perfectly fine. Um, but he, he has a hard on for Scotland. I don't, I don't. It's know. probably the accent, you know. It's a possibility. It's a possibility. Now, while in London and during his trip to Tel Aviv, he requested weapons to arm his soldiers so he could remain in control. Both countries declined. See, both countries were becoming more aware of the man they had put their faith in to run Uganda. It did not take long. Because uh, at about the same time as his London trip, uh, two Americans, a journalist, Nicholas Stroh, and a uh, sociology lecturer, Robert Seidel, were investigating some of the early political killings and decided to go to Mbara Army Barracks. They were told by many not to go. It's too dangerous. But they were Americans. And because we Americans are brought up through our entire history that we can do what we want and not be stopped because it's our right. Yes, <laughs> Tan saluting. You can hear the national anthem playing behind. They decided to go. <laughs> they decided to go anyways. They were, of course, murdered almost immediately. Well, naturally. Yes. I'm going to have to change my background photo now to my American photo thing that I have. Just a waving American flag. No, no, oh no, you you see it. <laughs> okay, I can't wait to see it. I'm gonna I'm gonna Our send page. it to you. I'm gonna send it to you so I can save it. Uh, anyway, sorry. Please continue. Okay. So the American government launched an investigation and made it known to all that Amin's regime were the ones that murdered the men, setting a precedent of no trust in the dictator by other countries. So with England and Israel not wanting to help. Amin looked elsewhere, namely a one Colonel Muammar al-Gaddafi. 
the ruler of Libya. And if anybody knows anything about world history, uh, might be, I'd be going, oh no. Of course, in order to get Gaddafi's help, Amin would, oh, yes. America! Fuck it's it. really poor quality, though. That's all right. So some of America. You can't see so. the picture of me. Huh? America. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you who can't see, it's a, uh, it's an eagle carrying an American flag. However, this dashing eagle has, has your friend and mine. Dan's face. Yeah, that's not all. Yes. You can't see the rest of it. Um, I'm I also can't... shooting an assault rifle <laughs> down at the ground. <laughs> you just can't see it. <laughs> I, I can't get. I can't get it to fill this uh, thing correctly. So um, I, I, I sent it to you on Facebook, though. Um, oh. I'm, sure we, I'm sure we can put it on a T-shirt or something. It. I see. How I will put this on Instagram. America, <laughs> let freedom ring. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how to resize it for the virtual background. That was the only problem. That's fucking great. Probably get probably get sued by some guy who owns the rights to that picture or something. Yeah, like fuck that. I, I don't care. No. It's your fault for putting it out there for me to use, pal. So, so. in order to get Gaddafi's help. Amen would have to tell him that about 70% of Uganda... Oh, well, kind no. Now you're sideways. There it is. <laughs> oh, it's burning. Amen <sighs> oh, no. would I'm have falling. to tell him that about 70% of Uganda was Muslim, when only about 6% were. So, you know, more lies. But Gaddafi was convinced and decided to bring Uganda into the Organization of Islamic States. Amin promised to place limits on the religious freedoms of Christians in return for weapons. This is also when we see his hate for Jews come out. Uh, of course they do, because every dictator obviously has to hate the Jews. Oh, he even yeah. goes as far as praising Hitler for his actions during World War II and the Holocaust, saying that killing six million Jews was a good idea. Even those Jewish dictators don't like the Jews. Apparently. Yeah, it's, it's weird. So Amin soon took aim at those who would oppose him, specifically those in the Acholi and Longo ethnic groups, of which around 5,000 people just disappeared. Funny how that happens. Yeah. Uh, sometimes bodies would be found floating in the Nile. Uh, he also kicked out tens of thousands of Asian Ugandans, mostly those with Indian ancestry, leaving them to flee into Asia or, more than not, into England. Uh, England pretty much had this thing where they, the Asia, the Indians came over from India. Um, to help build railroads and all this shit. And the English said, you know, once Uganda's an uh, independent state, if you're living there, um, you have British citizenship now whenever you want it. So you, if you want to move to Britain, you can, hoping everybody would stay in Uganda. But he decides to kick all of them out of Uganda. A lot of them decide, we were told we can go to England. Let's go. And the Ooh. British are all like, oh, wait a minute. They're we happy were kind of just, you know, talking out our ass. But they took him up on the offer. 
Yeah, it there there's massive amount of um like Indian people across in the UK. Like you know, they're they're very yeah. thankful for them now, considering I think the number one thing eaten in the UK is Indian curry. curry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> funny. Yeah, uh, that's where a lot of them came from. Was they actually came from Uganda? Thousands of Asian Ugandans purged into uh, England during this time. Um, but it didn't all go smoothly, obviously. Those that had to be forcibly exiled had almost all of their possessions taken away from them. And those that outright opposed the measure were dealt with even harsher. Chief Justice Benedicto Kuanuka who vocally criticized Amin and the handling of the Asian community, was arrested and just a few days later, executed. Now, this wasn't just the shot-to-the-head type deal again. His nose, ears, and lips were cut off, followed by castration, disembowelment, and then set on fire. As just he pulled the wrong knife. Fuck you. That's what it was. He pulled the wrong knife every time. He needed that heart got the knife. Ba- got the basket. He got he the lips knife. Nose. Yeah, yeah. Pulled out the willy oh, knife. Ears. No. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, balls. There you go. Oh, oh, yep. Belly button. It, oh, no. the, <laughs> it's the old Ling Chi. Yeah. Now, followed by the expulsion of the Asian Ugandans, the economy went into free fall. These Asians had run and owned many of the companies that kept the economy going. And once they were gone... Amin took control of them and, of course, gave them to his loyal supporters. None of them knew how to run a company. Half of them were illiterate. It's like, hey, do you guys know how to run this Indian takeaway? Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking, know how to we're talking factories, farms, shops. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, for... There's like 500 or so thousand Asian Ugandans living in, in Uganda at the time. So a, a fraction of the actual population. But they owned the majority of the businesses. Yeah, sure. Been like they, back then, and I still an awful lot of it now to do with Asia, it's like peak of industry. It did, it did anything, you know what I mean? To do yes. Industrial stuff. Like it's, that's yeah, they go, ran, that's the go to. Yeah, they ran all of that. Um, uh, so machines broke down, farms stopped producing, factories halted production. Um, the, the, Uganda was known for its concrete production back then. That shut down, and the economy pretty much just came to a standstill. People, all of a sudden, inflation went through the roof. Uh, money didn't really fucking matter anymore. Nobody had jobs. It was ridiculous. And a min didn't care. He didn't fucking care. He and his supporters were still living a life of luxury. Uh, expensive electronics, whiskey, fast cars being shipped over from Europe and wherever else they could get them. Um, they didn't give a shit about if people were struggling or not. Why would they? Now, even if at the time Amin was growing more erratic, repressive, and corrupt through all of it. Uh, so he would constantly call out and disparage other world leaders, calling the leader of Tanzania a coward, prostitute, and an old woman. He was a man, by the way. 
it's a very it's a this is a very Trumpian thing to do to just start calling out other people because it <laughs> uh, sounds like a big child. Hey, you're a big snooty poo-poo head. <laughs> Fucking old woman. Just, <laughs> I, I mean, I could see him standing there calling Bernie Sanders an old woman. I mean, it's just something he would do. I'm surprised he hasn't. He may have. Um, he called the leader of Zambia an imperialist puppet and bootlicker. And this is my favorite. You might get it. You'll probably get a kick out of it. Uh, it's completely uncalled for and unnecessary and disrespectful, but it's still funny. <laughs> Just like everything else we've talked about for the last 40 minutes. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> he sent Queen Elizabeth a telegram saying, quote, Dear Liz, if you want to know a real man, come to Kampala. Pretty much telling her to come get this black dick. <laughs> There's... No word on if she did or not. I don't know. But the the, the offer was there. Go that, get, you come get this funny. black dick, make me king of Scotland, everything will work out just fine. Would one like one to give one one? <laughs> I just want to take a fucking drink. <laughs> so let's get into why everybody's here and listening. Uh, the way he would deal with those that opposed him. If he met with someone and they told his underlings to go with them to where he sleeps or give him the VIP treatment, that pretty much just meant to kill the person. But if he told them to give him tea, this meant whippings and dismemberment. But that's a big jump. So what I want you to do is I want you to whip him, and then I just want you to start cutting pieces off of him. That's a big jump to make. It's He's like Pablo Escobar here with his... Yeah. He looks like, oh, no, did, you, did we score a goal today? They both had a bunch of money. Um, they, they both, I'm sure, had hippos around. So. And their money through um, import-export businesses. Yes. It's a lot of similarities. I don't know what uh, white people that lived in Uganda were forced to carry him around on a throne and bow before him in photographs. Uh, he's known as the only dic- only black dictator to ever have white slaves. Hmm. So, good for him, I, I guess. I don't know. Slavery's never cool, but I Way can't get it. Way to turn the table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How the turns table. He would have twisted middle side topwise. <laughs> Uh, a reporter for the Daily Telegraph tells that while he was held in prison, he witnessed four of his cellmates killed with sledgehammers. Ouch. Yeah. As in, Prisoners... like, as in the band, the song Sledgehammer? Or... Yes. Uh, Peter, Gabriel. Records. <laughs> Peter Gabriel came to their, before he, before he was, yeah, Peter Gabriel came to their uh, cell and just started singing to them and they yeah. all died, which Look is back. weird because Peter Gabriel them. is great. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of that song. No, I like no. it. Mean, I think a lot of the panache behind the Sledgehammer song comes from the Sledgehammer music video because the music video was for the That's time true, amazing. Yeah. Stuff like that wouldn't be done. Um, so that that could be why. Anyway, uh, prisoners were commonly made to kill each other with a variety of tools and weapons, but the Sledgehammer seemed to be a favorite of a men. Um, even his wives weren't free and clear. His fourth wife, Kay, was allegedly disoil, oh, disoil, was allegedly disloyal to a men and was discovered to be pregnant by another man. So 
She was killed, dismembered, and then sewn back together so the children could identify her. Hmm. That's, that's lovely. Stick your one from the Nightmare Before Christmas, Sally. <laughs> Sally, yeah, just, just pull one of the arm falls off. I'll just sew it back on. It's fine. All the stuffing came out. So Sally got laid. <laughs> now, many of his political opponents and enemies were murdered, obviously. Their heads cut off. This included the Archbishop of the Church of Uganda, Johnny Luum. Uh, their heads were then frozen in, in a deep freezer in the palace in Kampala. And it's said that when he would have dignitaries or guests for dinner, he would have the heads placed on the table as centerpieces. That's going down in the D&D notebook right there. <laughs> that's, that's just brilliant. Like, in that way. It's, it's, it's fucking Indiana Jones Temple of Doom type stuff. Yeah. You think the monkey brains, but you just got people, heads on the table. At some point, I mean, this it's just over why, the top. Why is that not done in Curse of Strahd or Strahd, whatever way you want to pronounce it? Like, where, like, you, you can easily have somebody I, who they're, they, who he's known, they their buddies with, and. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't think of it, but I'm, Here comes I imagine the, the next time. I imagine the next time somebody sits down to play D&D with Dan, they're going to find a head on the table where they're sitting at. Uh, we got to work up to that. I know, right? you got to have them build a relationship with a person whose head is going to be underneath the cloche. cloche everybody's favorite it. Everybody's favorite NPC. They're all buddy-buddy. And then all of a sudden, like, hey, we got to go do this thing. Oh, yeah, you guys take care. I'll see you later. And then yeah. the next thing you know, the head's on the table. Oh, destroys everybody. They care more about the NPC than you do about your fellow players, honestly. Really, you do. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, you can. Sometimes. A mm. lot of times. Or just introduce animals. Pigs. Introduce pigs. <laughs> the fuck? Don't Nobody fuck. cared about my NPCs. They only cared about pig. Don't fuck, don't fuck, about, <laughs> don't fuck with Nebelina. Don't fuck with the pig. We changed. Kill off all the NPCs. Could have killed all the NPCs. We changed, Nobody cared. We changed your entire campaign. Because of one pig. Because of that fucking pig. Yep. People don't want to hear about our D&D. Uh, so even, even sometimes these enemies were completely imaginary, and he had no real reason to suspect of any wrongdoing. Uh, Amin would order public executions by firing squad for anyone he felt was plotting against him, uh, his regime, and even had them televised. Other times on television, he'd dress his enemies in white and then have them beheaded so the blood would pop better on color TV. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, and these are people, most of which didn't actually do anything, weren't plotting against him, weren't trying to get him out of uh, office. They might not have liked him, and they might have been vocal about not liking him, but they weren't actively trying to get him out of, you know, the leadership role, but he just figured they were, so I might as well fucking kill him anyway. Who cares? Whatever. Uh, he'd have his victims' bodies tossed into the Nile, literally creating a blood bath. Bodies were constantly seen floating down the Nile from Uganda. At times, a dam on Lake Victoria would be so clogged by bodies, it would cause power outages. Jesus Christ. Just, just, you just hear the just grinding of gears. You're like, what happened? Ah, Tom's stuck in the fucking thing. You get the stick. Somebody get the body stick. <laughs> Wesley, get mom's prime bar. <laughs> uh, 
around 50,000 disabled people were also thrown to the crocodiles in the Nile. So I'll tell you real quick why. A real quick story, uh, whether it's true or not, it supposedly is. Um, but apparently a man's driving through town, uh, one of the towns. He stops, uh, gets out, sees some people playing um, like a card game on the floor of a store. Uh, he decides to join in. Again, one of the people. And uh, he's having a good time. And all of a sudden, the little crowd that is there separates and a crippled man falls down into the middle of the game. And he kind of gets up on one elbow. He's looking at him in the face. And he just starts cursing him out, telling how horribly that he's supposed to be one of the people and stick up for everybody. And now everything's worse for everybody else. The economy's trash. And Amin just sits there for a couple of minutes and just takes it. He takes it all, all, all. He's listening to all of it. And uh, he gets up, doesn't say a word, gets up and leaves. A few days later, cars come back through town. They find that crippled man, uh, tell him that if he really wants to be taken care of, if he wants things to be better for himself, uh, to get in. So gets in the vehicle. And they go around and they start posting up, like, uh, if you're disabled, if you're missing a hand or a foot or any type of disability, meet at this point at this time and we'll make things right. So about 50,000 people in Uganda end up getting taken to the Nile and dumped in now a lot of these people can't swim a lot of these people are mentally handicapped uh the people who were able to like hold on to the trucks as they were being dumped in had their hands cut off and they fell in it was fucking vicious disabled people they're the biggest threat of all you see that's what it is (laughs) them in their wheelchairs what are they wheeling around for they take away all of his paralympic medals that he has you see well you never know all those wheelchairs, one of them might be Professor X. That's true. Yep. And heaven help you if you were an educated African. A men felt, uh, let's say, emasculated by intelligent Africans since he only had a fourth grade education and honestly wasn't that bright. One of his old <laughs> rugby teammates said that Amin's body... Huh? I guess he wasn't that bright. Yeah. Stupid yeah. stuff he's up to. <laughs> One of his old rugby teammates said, a men's body was like a tank, but from the neck up, he was all bone. (laughs) So, you know, not, I guess, common sense and book smart he wasn't, but he was smart in other ways. Yeah, I was going to say, he's very intelligent in other ways. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, he started purging the country of the the quote-unquote intellectuals. Uh, students, professors, lawyers, anyone he saw as smart. Uh, Amin had famous prison and torture chambers built, actually constructed by the Israelis when they still held out hope that of him, you know, not being a complete nut job. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, hold on a minute. He got them to build torture chambers, and they were yes. thinking this guy might not be too bad. Let's keep it. Let's just give him the benefit of the doubt here. Yeah, here's the thing that here's where here's where that that smartness that we just said comes in. They were under the impression that they were building him armories. I'm sorry, but if you get somebody to build a room where the ceiling comes down and squashes down, you can't exactly turn around and tell them, "No, it's just a gigantic sandwich press." <laughs> you know, you got to think there's something got weird going on here. Like, yeah. 
It's like, okay, I understand why we're putting this here and this here. Why do you need the spikes in the ceiling for an armory again? Yeah. They're co-hooks. 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 They are. They're co-hooks. Is that a rack? Is that, do you have a rack? Is that, do you have a breast ripper over there? Uh, like, no, no, that, that, that's, that's my TV stand. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. You don't ask too many questions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Damn idiots. So the, these underground cement caves were built to hold gunpowder, not people. These places are kind of weird. So the entrance was electrified, and the chambers themselves were surrounded by channels of electrified water. Hmm. So, yeah. Um, chambers were dark, full of vomit, blood, shit. And each of them held hundreds of people. Now, prisoners would either suffocate as oxygen would run out as bodies piled up inside the cells. Too many people in an enclosed area underground, all breathing the same air. Some of them just died of oxygen deprivation. All those people um, farting. Imagine all that <laughs> farting going on. Like, you know, it's the worst thing After ever. After a while, like, so you take, I mean, yeah. you, you know what it's like when somebody though. does it in like in a lift slash elevator or whatever what the hell you guys yeah. want to call it. Elevator, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, but imagine that, you know, in a room probably about the same size with probably, probably about three times the amount of people and that square uh-huh. footage of an area. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's uh, yeah, that's that's the true good. torture of this episode. People. Somebody's got to sh- you know, at some point somebody's got to take shit. There's no toilets. There's just you just do it on the ground, and then you got to step in foot. it. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> just sitting but there, see, you just feel the hitting your foot. It's like, oh, <laughs> just no! plop. You hear it, or even worse, like you hear it happen, and you know it happened close to you because you feel like a a splattering on your calf. <laughs> hear the grunt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, but see, that's why some would choose to end their suffering and take their own lives by jumping into the electrified water. Oh, yeah. I'd hold on to the hand of the guy who just pooped on my foot. <laughs> I'd start pushing people. Push them in. Fuck it. Get out of the way. You shit on my leg. Just go. He would fly into rages and order the execution of employees and staff members who displeased him, often claiming they were victims of, quote, accidents. Uh, what happened? What happened to Johnny? Oh, you know, he had a he fell in that bullet accident. He shit himself again. Yeah, he had an accident. An Air France flight from Athens to Paris that was hijacked by Palestinian terrorists in 1976 and forced to land at Entebbe Airport, Uganda. Israelis commando, Israeli commandos end up slaying the terrorists and half of a men's forces while rescuing the hostage. It's wild, widely believed that a man, a man took out his frustration and humiliation on the failing of this uh, hijacking on a one Dora Bloch, who went missing after being taken to a hospital in Kampala. An informant said Bloch had been shot, tossed into a car with Ugandan intelligence service plates, and her body was found in a sugar plantation about 19 miles from the capital, her face being badly burned in attempts to make identification difficult. It's just, just an old lady. It's, it's not like it's not like this is some Israeli spy. She was in her like eighties. 
I'm going to be honest, I don't know if I'd believe that he did that then, because why would he bother his ass trying to cover it up and he doesn't give a rat's ass about not covering up any of the rest of it. He's, he's winning. He may as well walk down and be throwing the people into denial himself. Well, why worry about this that one person? True. And, and he did deny any involvement. Uh, but a lot of people speculate that this was him lashing out at the only Jew he had access to. So, I mean, did he do it or not? He obviously didn't do it himself, but I wouldn't doubt at all that he ordered it because he's just that petty of a man. Shortly after this, though, the British broke off all uh, diplomatic relations with Uganda. They're, they're like, all right, that's the last straw. You and I, we're, we are, you know, up until this point, you know, they were still trying to work with him. Uh, once this happens, they're, they were done. They're out. No more. So, I mean, that might have been another reason to do it. Uh, maybe he's just trying to piss people off. I don't know. Sometimes Amin would simply send out his troops into the part of the country where he wasn't so popular or where his enemies were known to stay and just open fire on the community. Just drive up and just start shooting people. For no fucking reason. Hmm. Yeah. Again, uh, it was also it still sounds very similar to an awful lot of stuff that happened with um, Pablo Escobar. Pablo, yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, I don't know if Pablo ever did this part though. Uh, he was rumored to have been a cannibal as well. Now, no, I no idea on how this rumor got started. Uh, probably by him, honestly. But when asked if he ate human flesh, he said. I don't like human flesh. It's too salty, even saltier than leopard meat. <laughs> but he also told people that he ate the organs of many men. So, I don't know. Believe what you want. Uh, was he can I, 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 I think maybe he tried it once just to freak some people out, and then he was like, oh, I don't like it, and didn't do it anymore, and just told people he did it. Yeah. Or alluded to it. Um, but that's just... I said, yeah, it may have just, just been a rumor that he just fed into then. He was like, yeah, yeah I'll go with that. Yeah, yeah, that makes me seem like a terrifying individual who would put frozen heads out as centerpieces on my table. Sure, yeah, <laughs> I did that. Why not? So in all, anywhere between 300 to 500,000 people died at the hands and orders of Adi Amin uh, during his reign. But what drives a man to do these things? Well, one theory is uh, Amin loved women. He liked loved women, many wives, tons of concubines and mistresses, and countless one-night stands. He had well over 50 children. Well, way back in the 1950s, because of his love of women, he contracted the same thing that would be the downfall of so many others, such as Al Capone and King Edward IV. Syphilis. And syphilis, if not treated right, can lead to depression, Mania, psychosis, personality changes, delirium, dementia. Not Mm. to mention paranoia, which he was becoming more and more. A lot of people are 100% certain that he, during this reign of terror, he was in the late stages of syphilis, with with the the brain disease. Um, the late stages, I don't know, because usually once you hit the late stages, you die shortly after, uh, like Al Capone, like Edward the the Fourth. Um, he doesn't die shortly after this. He lives for much longer. So 
I don't know if he got some type of treatment that we don't all know about. But Wrap it up, kids. Yeah. So I talked about how he was uh, becoming more and more paranoid. Well, he'd routinely change his personnel. He'd alter his travel schedules. Um, he'd change his mode of transportation. He'd sleep in different places whenever he could. And honestly, he had every reason to do this. The populace was becoming more and more fed up with the horrible economy. Uh, Amin's hold on power was growing increasingly weak. By this point, the late 70s, many Ugandans had fled to the UK and other African countries. Uh, while many of his troops had mutinied and fled to Tanzania, his arch nemesis. Desperate to stay in power, Amin used the last option he had. So in October 1978, he ordered the invasion of Tanzania, claiming they had instigated unrest in Uganda. In an unexpected turn of events for the despot, Tanzanian forces not only fought off the attack, but invaded Uganda. And on April 11th, 1979, uh, just uh, seven years before my wife's born on that day. All right. So, yes. Happy birthday, Stephanie, by the way. A few Happy days birthday. Uh, Tanzania, uh, on April 11th, 1979, Tanzanian and exiled Ugandan soldiers captured Uganda's capital, Kampala, overthrowing Amin's regime. Given his connections with Gaddafi, Idi Amin at first fled to Libya, taking his, taking four of his wives and more than 30 of his children along with him. Eventually, they moved to Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Uh, he remained there until 1989, where he used a fake passport to fly into Kinshasa, a city that was then Zaire, now the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, he tried to enter back into Uganda, but the Ugandan government said he could only enter if he was ready to stand trial for his crimes. He wasn't going to do that. Nope. Turns around. So, yeah. He's like, See ya. I would like to come in, please. Do you stand trial for your crimes? No. He no. just fucks off. Yeah, it's pretty much what it was. Uh, so he fled back to Saudi Arabia, where he lived the rest of his life in peace and quiet, not being allowed to get back into politics. Idi Amin died on August 16, 2003, after multiple organ failures. His family disconnected him from life support at the age of 75. Or 80. Who fucking knows? We don't know how fucking old he was. 204. <laughs> yeah. It was nine. I don't fucking know. Uh, but... And it's, again, just like we saw with the Rape of Nanking, people who do horrible things and then don't ever get punished for it. I mean, the, the biggest punishment he had was go live a life of luxury in Saudi Arabia, which he did. The life he had in Saudi Arabia, although quiet, was very luxurious. He wanted for nothing. So, you know, whatever. Just another story to piss you off. Uh, <laughs> bastard. Did you look up anything for uh, pop culture? I know there's a little bit for him. Yeah, I actually saw something very interesting here on the old uh, Wikipedia there to do with his death, where it was uh, David Ohm, the ex-British foreign secretary, uh, proposed to assassinate him back in sometime during his era between 77 and 79. Yes. And, uh, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, anyway, let me see. Where, where are we? We obviously had the very obvious one of the last king of Scotland where Forrest Whitaker 
uh, plays him. And um, who else was in that movie again? It was James McAvoy. James McAvoy. Great James yeah. McAvoy. Um, we spoke of Professor X just a little bit ago. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. It all comes full. It's all once it um, all comes back around. That's it. Um, but yeah, so I was having a quick gander through some of the stuff where, aside from that, there was um, a 1974 documentary film um, directed by uh, Barbette Schroeder and was made with the support of Amin, though. Um, so obviously, I'd say that documentary is shows him as nothing but a shining beacon of hope yeah. and glory. Uh, yeah, yeah, a puff piece. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and then there was a couple of other ones then that, uh, let me see, as listed here. There's one here called The Rise and Fall of um, Idi Amin, which is a Kenyan-made film, and then uh, which apparently allegedly popularized many of the rumors about his brutality, um, such as his mutilation of one of his wives. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and apparently there is another film called Mississippi Masala, which is a film about uh, the romance between African and Asian Americans during Amin's 1972 expulsion of the Asians from Uganda. Yeah. It's a, it's a big yeah. messy thing. There's a lot of like YouTube videos and little documentaries you can go watch about just that particular part of uh his reign. Um it's a big clusterfuck. Well, it, I mean, that's all that's all you can really say about it. It's just a huge clusterfuck. So that sounds uh, looking at any like some of the stuff is crazy. I love the, the list of nicknames to give. My favorite one being Big Daddy. <laughs> yeah, is... he had he had some nicknames. Uh, I I didn't I didn't get him, but yeah, he had a few. Um, apparently, uh, Dada, which is one of his middle names, um, supposed to mean like coward or something that he was given, and he turned it into something else. Um. Uh, I didn't look too much into that part of it, but uh, there's a there's there's a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of little documentaries that cover different aspects of it. I tried to kind of piece and parcel it together to give a fairly cohesive story and still give you guys the torture aspect of it. Um, I was looking into more of the torture aspect of it to put in there, but it was really just mostly just vague stuff. But I guess you can see why he fits on this show. Oh yeah, massively. The so. guy was a fucking monster. Um but complete you know, we, uh complete lunatic. Yeah. Well, I never watched we, Last King of Scotland actually. I've, I've never, never I've never seen I've never heard of it um before this. I must ask must ask the boss, see if she's watched it. Chances are she probably has. I know she's a big Whitaker fan, so Yeah. Um so uh before we go on, just um you know we set our Patreon up the last episode and we already have i mean first day we had one second day we had another one so we already have some patreon thank uh, you members so i'm gonna have a big shout out to our first patreon member inquisitor willow quinn fowler thank you so much for uh your subscription you, you'll be having a lot of fun watching uh the videos hopefully and then our first executioner jagovani uh, which I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Probably, probably not, considering probably not. so bad at pronunciation. <laughs> it's why you, you don't have to give yourself such a hard time because if I cover anything to here, my yeah. Irish is deplorable. <laughs> I had to get somebody over to make sure that like, I was writing a thing in work and it, 
it had to have a section in it that was like Irish and it was literally just student and address and I was afraid I was actually splitting it in half and not actually having the full title uh-huh. it turns out I had I had a broken up where it was like a quarter of a sentence and then another bit and I was like <laughs> well then there's a lot of Irish names that are just the pronunciations to, to to everybody over here does not make any sense like how do those letters make that sound um, yeah well, I, I get that yeah but anyway to our uh, two patreon members thank you so much um, if you would like to have the same perks they're having go to patreon.com slash torture pod but we got a lot of good stuff up there um, some exclusive merch which we have uh, for uh, inquisitors and cult members only you have the ability to go get the Burger King shirt that was made I need, I, I need to actually order one of those i haven't ordered my it stuff looks, yet i'm ordering stuff fuck. i'm hoping yeah maybe not next episode but by the time we get around to doing it, maybe the one after that i should have um i should be wearing a, a, a hat with a, a nice little letter t on it instead yes. but, um i can't but yeah i'm gonna have to get the i'm 100 getting my uh sort of fucking life out t-shirt yeah has to be um uh, still working on getting the stickers i'm looking to like exclusive stickers only for patreon so neither of our patrons have gotten their stickers yet because i haven't gotten around to getting them yet because things are just kind of all fucked up economically um for us and we're working on it but i'm looking at like some die cut hologram type stickers i was gonna maybe. say yeah you know, like the pokemon card reflective yeah thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, that's what Something i was thinking like when that. you first said it i was like that'd be really cool yeah um I'm hoping Willow, as our Inquisitor, stays on for the next three months so she can get the mug because I love the mug that we have. It's on our pretty computer. much, if I'm doing the math right, it's doesn't it work out close enough to the same price if you're in the EU to order the mug, a different mug. Am I right in right. saying that? So just, just to try and entice people a little bit more, I think the price that you'll end up spending over the three months at that level to get your free mug I think is close enough to if you were to make a couple of orders of items including yeah. postage and packaging yeah it's, a little it's not it's yeah so you actually realistically it's like super free when you look at it that way the best thing with the mug from Patreon is you don't have to worry about me actually doing it because you might have to wait for fucking forever for it to get done Patreon does it automatically so Oh really? That's yeah. No, yeah. They if three. Oh, that's uh, really cool. If you, if you pay for, if three months at the top tier, they will the the second your third payment comes in, they will automatically take that, deduct that into the payment for the mug, and ship it off. As long as you gave them your address when you signed up, you get your mug. So did you send me a picture of that mug? I did. I believe I did. I can send it to you again. I am contemplating doing it myself just for the crack. <laughs> just to get the mug. <laughs> I can sure, I'm sure I can make uh, put put the mug out there somewhere so you can have it. Yes. Uh, but if, you, if you really, really I'm want it. Buy myself uh, my mug. You can get a, go, go to our Redbubble. You can get a, uh, a regular torture mug uh, for those of you that want it. But that's all That's all we got on uh, Idi Amin. He was a horrible fucking guy i fucking hate him uh the fact that i don't know if he was 75 or 80 when he died kind of uh pisses me off um 
But that's all we got. So go follow us on Instagram, all the other social medias, at TorturePod. Email us, torturepod at gmail.com. If there's anything you would like for us to cover or if you have any comments, um, our friend uh, Max, Max Allen was his name. Uh, we spoke to him. Um, he emailed us and talked about it on our last show. He emailed, wanted to know about pendulum torture and um, blood eagle. And uh, so I sent him a little email telling him all about pendulum torture um, and how I thought that it probably wasn't real. I did not get into the blood eagle, though, because we will be covering that at some point soon. And I don't want to have any, you know, spoilers out there. Um, Yeah. Uh, If you have any fan art, go ahead and send that to us. I don't really care. I know we want uh, uh, a brazen bull that looks like an easy bake oven. Would be really good. Dan is an eagle uh, carrying the American flag and a uh, assault rifle. Um, Dan Wick, we're gonna have to try and get that done. Get the the John Wick thing, but my face on it instead. Dan Wick. Um, I'm gonna uh, have to try and get. I'm gonna have to make a couple of phone calls. That's a couple of people about that. We can get, get a, that done. A horrible looking guy in a in a gi, so a synodo. Um So whatever, whatever crosses your mind, whatever you can think of. Fan art, draw it out, send it to us. We I would should, love to get, put some on a t-shirt. Get, we should get one of the two of us. That's like the scene from um, Pulp Fiction. Let's say, say torture one more time. <laughs> you know? Say Ling Chi yeah. one more motherfucking time. <laughs> uh, oh, if you like, like a hand reaching out, painting usurper and blood or something, anything like that, any, any, anything you can think of, send it to us. I'll put it on a t-shirt so everybody can, you know, bask in its glory. Uh, you can rate and review us on Apple, follow, subscribe, uh, wherever you listen. Head over to our YouTube page, uh, little snippets and excerpts from the show. You can actually see our shining faces and our backgrounds. I got Dragon Ball Z. He's got... Uh, Never changing He's got thing. the most, he's the, got the most uh, American thing possible. With an Irish oh. face. And you get to see my cat every now and again when she decides she wants to just walk over and jump at me and chirp. So, <laughs> she was on your lap for quite a while. Yeah, I just kept uh, getting a tail going like this. <laughs> <laughs> if you would like to donate to the show, you can on either again our link tree, um, which you can find on our socials, or you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash torture pod, which can also be found in our link tree. Again, our Patreon, patreon.com slash torture pod, or go to our merch store, redbubble.com slash people slash torture pod, uh, where you can get the merch that we've, you know, been talking about for the past i don't know some of the stuff is actually really cool like i i really considering getting a couple of the art prints to go on the wall behind me which people can't see right now um so just for the patreon people i'm going to turn off my virtual background um and then you will see there you go right so that's where roughly where like my guitar pedal shells will eventually go but i will I'm thinking about getting a couple of the prints to kind of go around. So they have like the T and then a couple of the other ones. Uh-huh. Yeah. The Gilda Ray with the spinny cap. Yeah. Like and it's sort of fucking life out one. My yeah. my wife loves the metal one. You know, the the metal um, the, oh, yeah. torture yeah. one. From the assassination episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I was like, yeah, of all the ones that she was going to love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah, I that. like that one too. Yeah. I love, really cool. I love the... Uh, um, all the methods, the the first ten methods that we we did, yeah, on the shirt. I love that one. Damn, I got like to the buy bacon, and bacon, and bacon, and bacon. Yeah. So uh, a hint for our next episode. 
Sometimes the key to winning a war is just watching where you step. <gasps> That's all you're getting. So I think I got know. it. You I think I know. I'd say we'll discuss it after the show goes off. And honestly, I'm yeah. going to keep it in the recording so our Patreon, so people who are listening to the extended version of our on our Patreon, they'll know too. All right. That's all I got. So, uh, Dan, any words of wisdom? <laughs> do I ever have any words? Of wisdom? <laughs> no, um, but I figure that could be a running thing that we do. I don't See know. if you ever come um, up with something. Put me on the spot here. <laughs> don't shit on the leg of the guy next to you in the cell. That's a. Well, that, yeah, that's that's yeah. I didn't that's think, just that's yeah. common decency, I think. Yeah, that's 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 real. Very much on the line of wisdom of like tomatoes and going fruit salad. As I was kind of obvious. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm trying to think of something witty. I'm trying to think of something witty, but I'm putting the spot then. And, I'll think uh, of something once once I turn off the record. Yeah, the record button's not on anymore. He'll uh he'll think of something real good. Yeah, guaranteed. I'll think of it when I listen back on the episode after it airs. Oh yeah, yeah. Why did I say this? You'll be like, I should have said this, motherfucker. That should be our next little snippet for Patreon people. Is you, you just send me voice recordings of the things you wish you would have said. I'll put them yeah, on, yeah, I'll I should do that. I'm driving them to work. And I'd be like, like, yeah, voice note 256 of things I should have said to Kevin during the recording. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's all we got. So, guys, take care of yourselves, take care of one another, and we'll see you. That feeder's ain't. <laughs>